Mike. Howard Johnson, what's going on, my friend? I just trying to stay busy, man, during this uh, during this time, you know. Wait, are we close enough that I can call you Hojo or not yet? Because we've been texting yeah, a lot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> put Absolutely. The, Howard, put these three things in order of what was cooler for you: being on a baseball card, being in a video game, or being a starting lineup action figure. Wow. Well, probably the baseball card because that was something that. You know, as a kid, everybody had exposure to the, uh, what do you call it, the, the starting lineup figures. That wasn't until later. Mm-hmm. So, but that was pretty cool to see all that. But um, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I really think just the card, because when you're a kid, that's what you're used, you know, used to seeing. And at that time, that was, uh, that was a big deal. So that was the first thing that happened, and that was probably the big, biggest one. Do you have them on display anywhere in your house? When you walk into the Johnson house, are there cards displayed anywhere? Uh, I've got I've got some some cards, but they're mostly um, they're mostly photos, like eight by ten or sixty by twenty, something like that. That I've got pictures, different things that that mean a lot to me. But I don't really have like my cards displayed um, per se, like a. Uh, like a, like a straight-up card display. No, nothing like that. But I've got a bunch of them around. You mentioned these crazy times. Where are you calling me from today? Uh, Nashville. Oh, beautiful, beautiful town. Now, are you going stir-crazy down there yet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's going a little stir-crazy. <laughs> Hojo, what's your go-to show? Everyone's locked in the house. What's your go-to show that you've been binge-watching? Well, we well, we binge-watch a show, then we go to, the, go to another one. and we. So the one we've been on, I mean, we follow like three really shows that we really enjoy. The Walking Dead's always has been on for several years. We watched that one. Mm-hmm. We we love that one. We love Homeland, and we've been watching uh, Good Girls. Uh, we're all caught up on that. But the ones we're watching during the week has been uh, uh, Westworld. Okay, and we're in season two on that. And then um, uh, we we turned on Pandemic last night. Uh, that was we watched the first. Uh, the first episode of that and then uh my we usually get i usually get suggestions from my uh my daughters mm-hmm. so uh they said you gotta watch uh, tiger king next so yes watch <laughs> <laughs> that is i'm telling you now hojo that is gonna change your life tiger king trust me on that and uh how about no ozark for you oh i forgot about ozark <laughs> we we cleared that out like in two days <laughs> how would that, dro- that thing dropped and we watched it over two days, I think the I think uh, last weekend we finished it. <laughs> uh, we watched like the last six hours of it, the last six episodes of it. Yes, Just, I I have three episodes yeah. left of it. I have three more to go. I'm gonna try to finish oh, it up tonight. You're in for you're in for a treat, Mike, because that thing is is uh, off the charts. It's I, I forgot. Should I don't when you know when you binge watch, it's like whatever you're watching at that moment. That's all you think about. <laughs> You, this, we've already, we've all my kids watch it, so we've all been talking about how we can't wait for next year. But you're so right because you become so consumed in it. That's all you want to talk to. And if one of your friends isn't watching, it's like I can't even talk to that person. You just want to be consumed yeah. with Ozark, Ozark. That's it. But I'm telling you, that's gonna be you with the Tiger King. I promise you. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Okay, good. Here we go. 23rd round draft pick by the New York Yankees. Where were you when you got that phone call? Because it's not like now where you're watching the MLB network. Oh, I got drafted. Where were you when you got that call? No, actually, actually during that night, I went to a concert. Mm -hmm. Um, Boston was in concert. (laughs) 
uh, down in Clearwater, I think over in Tampa. And I, had, I already had tickets for it. My buddy and I were going to go. And, you know, I did, of course, I didn't know the draft was going to be you know, the same day. But um, so we went and I told my parents, I said, hey, if I get drafted, you know, let me know if anybody calls the house and, you know, tell them I'll tell them I'll call them first thing in the morning. And so when I got home, that's when I found out that, uh, <laughs> that I got drafted by the Yankees. And now why didn't you sign my Bronx Bombers? Well, the, the scout that, that, that followed me and drafted me, um, he came over. We talked for quite a while. Uh, he introduced me to my agent. We talked for quite a bit. Um, he said that if I signed then, then I would be going to Oneata, which was their rookie club mm-hmm. summer. And I, I said, okay, well, that's I understand that. He goes, but what I would do is if I were you – I would, I would not sign at this point. I would uh, go to junior college like you were planning and play this semester. And then in January, we'll see if uh, we want to sign you at that point or, or put you back in the uh, secondary phase draft in January. And so that's what happened. I, I got uh, semester JUCO down in St. Pete Clearwater Junior College mm-hmm. and played, had a great, had a great uh, fall. And then, uh, January comes around and uh, they offer me basically the same amount of money. But he said, he goes, what you said, yep. If you don't, if you don't take it, I don't blame you. Keep going to school, finish, you know, finish the baseball season this year. And we got June. So I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll just take my chances and I'll sign. And that's when, uh, that's when the Tigers drafted me in the secondary phase. And now I was fascinated by this, reading this. You got drafted as a pitcher, but Detroit converted you to an infielder. Did you know that was the plan all along? Or were you like, hey, I'm going to be a pitcher? What was your plan with that? No, my, the plan was it was a pitcher out slash outfielder. So if one didn't work out, then the other was going to be there. And because they, they thought I could hit. They, they go, you, you, can, you can hit. We like, we like, you can run. You can do the different things. So we're going to try this first. And if not, we're going to put you on the mound. I said, okay, that's fine. So, um. Yeah, when I when I when I signed right away, they put me at shortstop. So I was at shortstop in the minor leagues. I didn't even play the outfield, the minor leagues. Um, my senior year in high school, I pitched and played center. Before that, I, I played short, center, and I pitched. And so um, my uh, my first year in pro ball in January, in spring training, they put me right at shortstop. So I got a lot of work over there, and I could hit, and and so. My first year was in Lakeland in '79, and I I was a shortstop for about two and a half weeks, three weeks, and then they moved me over to third base and kept me there. Now, did you even pitch while you were with the Tigers in the minor? Or they didn't even put you on the no. mound at all. Wow! And were you disappointed with that? No, no, I wasn't because I, I always enjoyed um, playing. I, mm-hmm. I loved hitting. I loved stealing bases. I loved doing all those different things. And I've just kind of, I've just kind of. Um, always gravitated to that. I mean, I always been, been, been nice to be able to get on the mountain and pitch an inning or, you know, see what would have happened. But, uh, cause I had a lot of fun pitching. It was, it was, it was a blast. <laughs> but for me, for me, I was, I'm more of a position player type. 23 year old rookie. You walk into that Tigers locker room, hall of famous, Alan Trammell, Jack Morris, Lou Whitaker's there. Two things on that. One, how do you introduce yourself? I'm always curious. Cause everyone's like, you're Howard Johnson a few years later. Everyone knows you. People want to meet you, take pictures with you. How do you introduce yourself to those guys in the locker room walking in the first day? 
Well, the first, the first, uh, the first day of, um, spring training. Well, I got called up. I went to spring training, excuse me, in 81. I'm sorry, 82, mm-hmm. 82 went to spring training, you know, just being a rookie. Didn't, didn't say a lot. Just kind of did my thing and tried to watch the veteran guys and learn from them as much as possible. And so, uh, you know, I, you know, a lot of those guys, they would come talk to you. Some guys wouldn't. And that was just the way, that's just the lay of the land back then. Got a lot of, a lot of the veteran guys wouldn't, wouldn't really talk to the younger players. How about, but, um, yeah, yeah. Trammell guys like Trammell. Yeah. He was always talking to me, trying to help me out. You know, by that point I was a third baseman and, you know, he tried to help me as much as he could. There was a few other guys. Tommy Brookins was over there. Um, he tried to help me as much as he could, you know, the vet, you know, it's kind of what you'd expect from veteran guys. Um, Enos Cabell was on the team. He he was probably my biggest biggest uh, friend. That you know, he took care of me. tried to tried to make sure that you know I understood what was going on. And and uh, if I ever had any issues, you know, come see him or whatever. And and uh, so I pre- really appreciated that. But that was uh, that was a fun spring training in '82, and I got to stay there till the very very end. And I think I was one of the last cut of this camp and uh, didn't realize that I'd almost made the team and which basically led into uh, 80, 82 going to triple a mm-hmm. to start the year. And after the first night, I think I had a big, I had a big night the first night, I made it a home run or two and triple a my first game. And then uh, I got the call that I was going to big league. Oh my, that's an incredible call. And now how about what's your welcome to the big league moment? Yeah. So yeah, you get the phone call, you know, they tell you going, you're going to meet the team in Toronto. I'm like, okay, that's, that's awesome. I appreciate it. You know, you start, you know, getting emotional a little bit. You're thinking about your dad and everything, what you want to, mm-hmm. you want to tell your parents and stuff. And so I hung up the phone, uh, thank, thank my manager, uh, called my dad and talked to him. And, uh, it was, it was, it was a pretty awesome moment, but, uh, the next thing you know, I was on my way to, uh, Toronto. And how about you're in the big leagues? What's that first moment you're like, okay, I'm a big leaguer, big leaguer now? Was it your first hit, your first strikeout? What was it when you're like, okay, I belong here? Probably when I saw my first pitch. Like, you never really know what to expect. They always, you know, spring training is spring training, but mm-hmm. when it's the season and it's, you know, everything counts is for real, you know, it's a little different. So, you know, I got to Toronto. I was in the lineup that night. I was leading off. It was about 32 degrees in Toronto that <laughs> night. And that was an old exhibition stadium, so it's outdoors on the turf. And when I stood in the box and I saw the first pitch, it was Dennis Lamp. No, Jim Clancy, excuse me, Jim Clancy. And I saw the first pitch he threw me, and I go, okay, I, I, I can do this. And, and Wow, so, uh, wow. The, the bat went on, and I, I flew out to deep right. I mean, the guy was, I think it was Barfield's at the track and right. <laughs> So, just missed my first at bat. I just missed it. And now, Hojo, you win a ring your first year, so that was easy. Where's that ring now? What'd you do when you got that ring? It's here. I've got it. It's uh, it's it's my Tiger ring. I I don't wear it as much. It's uh, I gotta get it resized. It's um, it's a beautiful ring. It's just they're very simple. You know, you could wear them out, and mm-hmm. no one would really, nobody would really uh, uh, you know, they would look at it, they go, that's a nice ring. You know, what's it from? You know, and you, you could tell them. It's not like the Mets ring. Mets ring's a little bit different. But. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, listen, speaking of the Mets, you trade to the Mets. You're a Florida guy. You go to Detroit, the Motor City, now the Big Apple. What are your thoughts when you're like, holy crap, I'm heading to Flushing? Well, my first thought was, 
I got the call. It was the last day of uh, winter meetings in December after the World Series. And Bill LaJoy was our general manager. He, he's passed away now. But he called me and said, hey, because we traded you. I, and I said, uh, oh. I said, oh, you did? I said, I, he goes, I didn't want to do it, but Sparky wasn't going to play you like we need you to be played. And I said, okay, so where am I going? He said, New York, Mets. And I, I, I mean, I grew up in Clearwater. That's a Phillies spring training home. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always enjoyed watching, you know, the Cubs on TV, Phillies, you know, on the radio, listening to Harry Callis. Just, just you know, the Braves, you know, it's all National League, so you kind of get used to the National League game. And so I've always been partial to that, the the power, the speed kind of game. It's a little bit different. And so when he said the Mets, I knew I knew about them from the year before because they had a pretty good club, you know, Strawberry Gooden and, and Davey Johnson. And I'd met Davey Johnson prior uh, at some camps down here in Clearwater. And so I, I knew Davey. And um, – when I heard that, then Jay Horowitz gives me a call and, uh, you know, I, and the rest is history. So I was just kind of excited to be going there. Plus spring training was still in Florida mm-hmm. and, you know, I didn't even think about New York city, you know, being a, a big city and all, but I was just excited for the opportunities. I knew the team was good. Where'd you live when you moved to the big apple? My first year I lived in Malba, which is Whitestone. Okay. And, and did, did we you move back down to the there. city then? Or you stayed up there? No, I, no. Uh, after we had, so what we did was we had, um, we stayed that off season. I think we stayed that off. Season. No, we went back. No, we might've went back home. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. We might've went back to Florida. We had a condo down there on the beach. So we, we, we shared it with our agents. So we, we went down there and, um, I think that off season we stayed down there and then, uh, we had, we had just put money down on a house in Detroit, uh, before the, before the trade. So we kind of, we lost the money and I, you know, I was like, you know, it's kind of too bad that we, that happened. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what do we do? Do we try to rent or do we want to buy a house? What do you want to try to do, honey? So we decided let's, let's go, let's go buy a house. So we went out to the Island, checked it out found a nice spot in Woodbury, uh, Syosset there and, uh, ended up purchasing a house. So we ended up staying there at that point. We, we had started living there full time. So after the first year, we lived there full time. Now the Mets, listen, the 86 team, they're famous. Books have been written. Countless stories have been told. Did you go out? Now you said you were married. You had a girl at the time. Were you a big party guy, city guy, or you were more of a games over, have a beer or two, go back to Long Island guy? Yeah, that's that was more me. I, I wasn't a big um, big uh, nightlife guy. I mean, my, my wife and I were happily married. We had a, we had a little girl, Shannon. And she, uh, you know, she was growing up, and you know, we had a house, and we had the dog, and everything. So it was, everything was good. We were just, just kind of enjoying life and trying to make make uh, make a career happen. Why is that team so? I don't want to say infamous because it's not a bad thing, but why are they known maybe being so raucous and yet they dominated so much? How did you guys pull all that through through the quote unquote turmoil of that team? <sighs> well, it depends on how you define turmoil. I, I don't, you know, some people might call it turmoil, but I think most of us would call it a, you know, like team building, team, team activity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really turmoil. There was, there was some moments. Yeah, sure. There was moments, but it was nothing like, uh, nothing that was tearing a team in part. And that's, that's the main thing. And I credit Davey with that because he, he made up what he did was he, each, each guy had a role to play and he made it known what that role was. And, you know, 
he talked to you and just kept you in the loop and he tried to find ways to, um, to use you, to make you, uh, make you be a part of it. And that, that was, that was kind of the thing was, okay, Davey's using me at, he played me at short a lot. He played me, uh, you know, at third when he rested red, you know, he would, he would do these different things. And so he found ways to use all his players and that, and, and everybody through the whole thing, regardless, wanted to win. That was the main thing. We, we were just ready to win. And we had great leadership with, uh, with Davey, obviously. But then you got, you know, Keith and Gary. And, uh, you know, we had, we had stud players with Strong Doc. And, you know, Ray Knight was having a great year. So we had, we had a lot of players that wanted to win and wanted to play hard. And that's, that's, what it's, that's really what it takes. And, and I don't care what year you play in. That's always going to be the, the recipe to win. More memorable game for you that season. Game 6, 86 versus the Red Sox or game 6, 86, the marathon versus the Astros? Oh, man. Well, they're, they're probably both equal. But mm-hmm. the 86 one, the, the 86 one, you know, was just so dramatic because, you know, we lose the World Series if we don't do it. Uh, game 6 in Houston, you know, we still would have played game 7, although it would have been a difficult task. But. You know, so the game six game was pretty impressive, impressive being, especially being on the, you know, being, you know, I was on deck. I got in the game late, you know, I got, I was on deck when it all happened. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of be that close to everything was, was pretty awesome. But, uh, I just got to the next day, you know, so we were, we were, we were totally excited about playing the next, you know, the next day and we got rained out and all that, but we were excited about playing. We all felt like, hey, we got this thing won, so let's go finish it. I'm glad you mentioned the on-deck thing, because my aunt is the biggest Howard Johnson fan. Well, Keith Hernandez first, obviously, Hojo, then you second. <laughs> but she's the biggest Met fan, and I was telling her you were coming on, and she goes, oh, you know he was on deck when Mookie was up. And it made me think of all the historic home runs, the Reggie Jackson home runs, the Bucky Dent, the Aaron Boones. You never remember who was on deck. What was your approach going to the plate? I bet you've probably told the story a million times about the ball going through Buckner's legs, Mookie. What was your approach if Mookie walked or got hit by a pitch? Were you nervous? What were you thinking? What was going through your mind right there? Well, when the when the at bat first started, um, you know we were still down a run, so Mookie was up, mm-hmm. and but, but by then the momentum had already shifted. You could you could feel it in the stadium. So I felt like felt like we had we had a good shot that this was going to be a, a you know Mookie was going to win win this battle, and of course there was a wild pitch that got by, so Mitch was able to score and tie. So now the pressure is off of us and it's really on them squarely. And, uh, you know, we, I, I forgot what's, uh, what's the pitcher that came in again? I forget his name. Oh, Mike. Was it Smiley? I don't know who's pitching. I thought, I forgot, I thought it was, might be Torres, but. Okay. Anyway, he comes in the game. I'm probably missing it. <laughs> uh, it's a blur. <laughs> He comes in the game, so the game's tied at this point, and I'm I'm already I've faced him before. I kind of knew what I was doing. Uh, I think it was Bob, Bob Stanley. I think it was Stanley that came in. Okay, yeah, I'm and looking. So, at, yeah, you're right. I lo- I'm just looking it up right now. <laughs> yeah, so he came in the game, and I'd faced him before, and I felt very comfortable against him. So I I was just kind of going through my mind, like, what am I going to be thinking about here? And uh, of course, the game's tied now. So Mookie hits this ball. It's going up the line and it's not hit very very fast i mean it, it's very slow people don't realize how slow that ball is going mm-hmm. but you know she had a tough infield back in those days and 
And sometimes you can get caught on it. If you're an infielder, you can get caught on your heels and that ball could skid on you or, or take a bad hop on you and just totally surprise you. And that's exactly what Buckner did. And when you're an infielder, you can watch guys go to go to catch ground balls and you can see if they're in the right position or not when they're catching the ball. And what Billy Billy Buckner got got caught on his heels and got stationary and the ball just hit hit something and stayed down. And he wasn't able to get down and block because of his legs. So the ball renders under his glove and in the short right. And that's, uh, you know, so I I'm watching Mookie and, you know, watching the play, watching Mookie, it was going to be kind of a foot race to the bag anyway. Mm-hmm. So if Mookie beats it out, it's bases loaded. We're still tied and I'm up. But, you know, fortunately for us, it, you know, base hit and it's over. I mean, that ball gets through his legs, it's over. Now, were you thinking like Derek Jeter thought, oh, a couple of years in the league, I got two rings already? Did you, were you thinking how easy is this? <laughs> I, I'm just winning titles left and right here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you're, <clears throat> you're like, man, that's, two years you know two two rings three years whatever that, that'll work you know I but was... it's yeah you just i don't know you just kind of expect it it's it's something that you learn you know when they talk about mike when they talk about you know knowing how to win there, there's something to that and we've seen it we've seen it in other sports we've seen it where you know cultures can't get over the hump they can't they can't figure out how to win a game mm-hmm. um you know how 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 is one team the like the Yankees, you know, dominate all the time. Why is that happening? What is it? It's not, it's not just because they go out and spend the most money. It's because they create a culture that, that expects winning. And the thing is that you can say it all you want, but the players know it, mm-hmm. whether that's or not. And that's something that, uh, you know, as a player during those times, I, kind of, I knew what that was about and I understood how to win. And I, and I still know how to win. And I understand the, uh, the game that nowadays has changed a lot. But to me, the fundamentals are still the same. You still have to score more runs than the other guy. And so, you know, you learn how to do it. And, yeah, I'm thinking to myself, man, this is, this is awesome. So from, <laughs> all, from there on, every team, every team I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna, we got a good shot to win. <laughs> I went on baseball reference, and I was surprised because I was five years old at that time. And I remember as I got older, I played with the Mets, even though I'm a Yankee fan. The Mets teams were better in those video games. So I would play as you as a video game, and I didn't realize that you, obviously you were good in 86, but 87 through the 90s is when you really dominated. Was that just more playing time? Because I I have it written down, 87, 36 home runs, 99 RBIs, top 10 MVP. What was the outbreak of productivity from you? What caused that? Yeah, playing basically playing the year before in 86 i had i think i had uh 10 or 12 homers with uh 40 rbis maybe so when when they didn't sign ray knight back and and i was i became the starting third baseman i just multiplied it by two i said well my bats are gonna go up so you know this is what i expect you know you know 20 homers 80 rbis that's kind of what i'm just from a number standpoint Mm -hmm. then uh but that off season, I because I, I knew, you know, right away that I was going to be the guy. I put everything into my training, uh, making myself as good a player as I could be. I realized that uh, you're only you're only as good as your weakest your weakest part of your game, your weakest link, as offensively. 
Uh, so right batting right handed was my biggest my biggest disappointment mm-hmm. that I wish I could, you know, because when the game is on the line, like Whitey Herzog and those guys, they would always make you hit right handed when the game was on the line. And so you have to be able to make I have to be able to make that side of the plate, which is not my natural side, feel like my natural side. So it's one thing to be a switch hitter, but it's not to be a good switch hitter. And you have to some guys make it look easy, but it's a lot of work. And it's something that I, I just put my focus to and, um, yeah, just made it happen. And then 87 happened. And that's when, that's when, uh, you know, things kind of clicked for me, the 30, 30 first time and all that. So that was, that was, uh, that was pretty awesome for me. If you don't tell people, Hey, this team won the world series and you put that team on paper from 86 to, you know, 89, whatever you guys should have won. Were you always surprised that you guys didn't win more titles than you did? Cause that was from top to bottom, pitching, hitting, relief pitching, that was a dominating team. Yeah. Yeah, what is surprising that we didn't. But when you start getting injuries, mm-hmm. um, like I know in 87, I think all the starting pitchers went down uh, for extended periods. And that, that had always been our calling card. So whenever that happens, you're going to be in trouble. That's when Doc you know, got in trouble with, with drugs and stuff. And there was some other, there were some other things that happened, you know, to the guys during the year, but, you know, physically, uh, what, you know, different things, but, uh, yeah. So when you're not, you know, it's, it's hard, it's one thing to get to the top. It's mm-hmm. hard to stay there. And so it takes an equal, almost a more of a commitment to try to stay at the top after you've already reached it one time. So once you reach that goal, you know, we were already had a target on our back. Now everybody's gunning for you. So you have to really, redouble your efforts and that that was just something that we were close the years we didn't have injuries the years we did not have injuries uh we were right there and we were just a few games away but um we did have a lot of problems going forward and some other teams are starting to come up and, and make a you know make a challenge like pittsburgh so that was that was a difficult thing and it doesn't help when you run into oral horse who's pitching the series of his life in game seven but i want to ask you about 89, I'm going to ask you, that was the Hojo year. Fifth in the MVP, Silver Slugger, All-Star. I'm going to ask you a trivia question. How many home runs did you hit that season, and how many RBIs did you have? Uh, That year I hit 38, and I think I, maybe 101. Wow, I like that you knew your stats. You're you're an All-Star now, because you nailed that on the head. You're an All-Star. Did you ever get awestruck, or like, holy crap, I'm in the locker room with blank? Now, I know you're an All-Star, you're... On the pedestal, you're up there with those guys. But did you uh, any players that you had to meet? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to meet all those guys. A lot of them, are, a lot of them I've already met. A lot of them I've met playing playing against them. Um, but it was cool to be in the same locker room with them and get to see them prepare. And I'm big on that. I'm big on how guys prepare, watching and learning, and try to understand like maybe there's something more I could do or you know be better at that or another way to do something that you know, could really help me and benefit me. So you want to take, I mean, what, what kid wouldn't want to be in there watching all stars, you know, prepare to do their job and, you know, the best in the game do it. And that's, that was something that I, I wanted to experience and, and try to just pick guys brains and talk to them and, and just show a healthy respect for each other. Now that, that's, I, I mean, every one of those guys, I was anxious to talk to you're mentioning in so much, not about talent, about the mental aspect. Is that what brought you into the dugout to coach? Is that what, do you like that aspect? Of yes. It? Cause it's, it seems that yeah. you're so passionate about talking about that. 
I love it. I love coaching. Um, I, for me, because I, I have a lot of experience, you know, in the past as a player being successful and failing mm-hmm. because Mike, you know, it wasn't always easy. I mean, I, I was a part-time player when I started and, you know, it's not easy to make your mark in the big leagues. And I think a lot of people, you know, they, they, they look at me, you know, and they say, well, he had a great, he was a great player, great career, whatever. Um, but I look at me as like, yeah, I, I had, I had five, five really good, three really great years and five good years total. And that's, that was my career. And then physically I just wore out, but you know, from the mental side of it, to me, that's, that's what it's all about. Is like, what, what can I impart to players mentally and get them, get them to understand what's, what, what's important and what isn't. How, you know? Yeah. How long from when you retired, Hojo, till you started coaching? How long was that? When you leave Colorado, how long till you got coaching? Left Colorado. Actually, in uh, in 95, I went to the Cubs. I was there with Chicago for one year. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Okay. Yeah. And then in 96, I coached with the, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays organization. They were just starting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because it was local to my hometown and stuff, it was easy easy to uh to be involved with that so i i was still i was living in um at the time i was living in california but uh but uh i i wanted to be part of the rays when they started so i jumped over and, and coached that coached that year uh in the pioneer league their first year they had minor league teams and it was a rookie league so it was a lot of fun and uh after that the next year that's when I wanted to go and try to play again. I felt like, I mean, you know what? I got something more to offer. I feel like physically and my body had healed up to it and I was wanting to give another shot. And uh, so when that didn't work out. I, I got that down at the end of camp in 97 and then went into pro scouting. So I was in pro scouting. Um, I had the PCL Pacific coast league mm-hmm. and I had the big league clubs on the West coast. So I, I had that, had that league and those teams and did that for three years and then uh you know i really had a desire to go on the field and coach and now are you still coaching you with the Mar- were you with the AAA mariners or were you in texas well i was with texas this year i'm coaching with the with tijuana are you really Mexican. yeah Mexican oh, oh that are you gonna be moving down there well i'll be there I'll, we'll be in san diego living there during the season when, if and when it happens are you excited about this challenge Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, for me, like speaking Spanish is something I'm, I want to be really good at. And, uh, you know, the more players you're around, the more guys you get to talk to, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you get to, you get to experience, you know, try to understand their experiences and, and help them become, you know, the best version of what they are and help them to, to find success maybe beyond what they're used to, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing I want to do. Some guys just, you know, they, they just want to be, they want to do their thing and I want to help them. And so that's, that's one, one thing I've been, got that coach gene, I guess, you know, I kind of wanted to want to be a part of it. That is awesome. And now you said, cause I'm trying to learn Tagalog, Filipino, cause my wife's Filipino. Are you learning Oops. Spanish or you know it? No, I'm, I, uh, I know a little bit of it, Okay, but thanks to Google translate, yes. I'm, getting real, I'm getting much better at it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to hit you up because I read you had you for 32 minutes. I want to I'll finish up with some quick hit questions. You ready to roll? 
Yeah, let's do it. You and I are hanging out in a bar in New York City. Who's the coolest okay. person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? David Wright. Oh, that's a great answer. Okay. Best baseball movie of all time? I'm going to go with uh, The Natural. Oh, you know what? I've had a lot of ball players on. No one used The Natural. That's a good answer. Everyone always goes to the Field of Dreams. Yeah, that, no, that's, that's, that's a good movie, but it's not in my top. Okay. How about one baseball event you wish you could have witnessed live in the history of baseball? On the field or as a fan? On the field. You're in the on-deck circle of what Major League Baseball moment? Probably Hank Aaron's 716th homer, or 715. Another good answer. See, I always use the answer of 32 World Series, Babe Ruth calling his home run. That's always my go-to answer. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Babe Ruth's 715. Yeah, okay, how about this one? One player Hojo would hate to be quarantined with from the 86 Mets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Who would I not want to be quarantined with? Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll binge watch with any of them. So probably nobody. Hey, I, I just actually looked real quick. I always know you as number 20. Your Twitter handle has 20 in it. In the Mets, mm-hmm. did you wear 44 for a year? Because it has the 44 on there. What's up with that? I wore it. I wore it for about a week and a half or so. Uh, wore it for straw because uh, they we traded straw. Mm-hmm. The Mets traded strawberry, and he was wearing 44 at that time. And so... Uh, I know Coney wore it for a little bit, and then uh, uh, Straw wore it, I think, for Coney, and then I wore it for Straw. What a great, you know, that's a great answer. I was looking, I'm like, wow, I never remember him wearing 44. All right, I'm going to ask you one more trivia question, Hojo. From okay, yeah. From 87 to 91, you mentioned those were your four power years. Only three players in the majors hit more home runs than you. Can you name those three players? Ooh. Kevin Mitchell. Okay. No. You know, I, I would probably go Barry Bonds, and then uh, got to be somebody in the American League. Well, it's actually two in the American League on the same team, if that gives you a big clue. Oof. Could it be... Um, when I tell you... Could it be, be Eddie Murray? No, it was Conseco, McGuire, mm. and Strawberry was uh, the third one. So you were fourth. It was Conseco, McGuire, Strawberry, you. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's some foursome right there, by the way. That is a pretty good foursome. I'm definitely the last guy on that list. <laughs> you are, but it's it's just listen. That's a good one to be number fourth on. Hey, listen, sure, you're, yeah, it is. you're so interactive on Twitter. So give the handle, how everyone could follow you. Because do you enjoy Twitter? Because you interact with everyone. People send you pictures of cards and this. Do you love that? Yeah, I do. I do. It's uh, it's they could they could follow me and inbox me or whatever uh, at twenty hojo, and I'd be more than happy to. Uh, answer and you know when I can obviously there's some things you can't answer but um, yeah I enjoy I enjoy interacting with the fans I mean that's especially nowadays because you know I haven't played in years and years and you think you still got people that are interested in what you got to say well, well you I mean, know what? that's why I want to finish up with you and is that now you can answer me because you played for other cities is that a New York thing because I'm obviously New York centric born and raised here my whole life Mm-hmm. Not now. When I was at work earlier and I mentioned Howard Johnson, everyone, oh, and they talk about the 86 team and this home run and this. Is it just a baseball <laughs> thing? But it, it just seems that your name resonates so much with New York and baseball. And it's all oh, right and Hojo, the two best third basemen. You get overwhelmed with that. And does that still surprise you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely overwhelming, you know, to hear it. And you, I mean, you can't, I can't tell you how, how proud I am of that. Uh, 
you know, David, David's a great player. I mean, a lot of people don't realize they forget quickly um, how great a player he really was and get a chance to, you know, bring him up through the system and, and see him in the big leagues and help him, you know, get to where he is. Yeah, that's, 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 that's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, just to be on, just to be thought of like that is it's uh, it melts my heart really. Cause I, yeah, that's what you hope for mm-hmm. Mike, you know, when you're playing, I guess when it's over with, you kind of hope that that's the case. And so when it is actually, you know, it is, it is a fact then I guess in some circles, then yeah, absolutely. You feel like you did your job. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Hojo, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt that you won a ring here and you dominated for those years. So when you win a ring in New York, you can walk on water here, my friend. That's true. That is absolutely true. <laughs> Howard Johnson. Oh, that's why I love New York. Man. Yes, of course. And w- one last thing. So everyone who comes on my show, everyone, I uh, I send them down something. So I'm going to send you down. My aunt has a jersey of you. And I'm going to send it down to you. Tag it up for her. Sign it up for her so she can hang it up. Listen to me. This was an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Listen, good luck with Tijuana this year. Continued success. I'm sorry you never played for my Yankees. I would have loved you at the hot corner playing for my Yankees with that short porch in right field. But I guess the <laughs> Mets were – Yeah, oh, I know it would have been. Listen to me. Enjoy Tiger King. Thank you so much for doing this, and we'll keep in touch, brother. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate the phone call and your podcast and look forward to hearing it. Howard Johnson. Thank you, brother. All right, buddy. Talk Bye-bye. to you soon. Bye-bye.